I think that a, a lot of us don't, we think our potential, which I think is a dangerous word, potential, is off in the future, way down the road somewhere. Yep. And really, you can live your potential today if you intentionally do it. Mm-hmm. But to, to really reach that potential, you have to have a bigger mission than yourself, and you have to be a person of service to do that. We do have one life. Fortunately, we have the opportunity of second chances. Uh, I believe that both from faith-based and just life itself. And I think people deserve a second chance. Mm-hmm. I've been given a lot of them. I would encourage people to do is, I had to learn how to do this, is to find out what you're grateful for every day. Have at least three things you're grateful for at the beginning of the day and wrap up the end of the day with three things you're grateful for now. Gratitude is a way of to stay in service and to realize that this really isn't about you. Right. It is just a gift. This is the Better Wealth Podcast with Caleb Williams. Hey everyone, it's uh, my pleasure to introduce to you Trent. And dude, it's it's fun being here in Salt Lake with you. I just heard you you speak to probably forty advisors and went through different questions that you asked them in, in your coaching program. And I have to say, I remember when we first met. It was actually in Utah, Park City, and I, I heard your story and just your mission and where you came from, and it really moved me. It was pre before I was doing all this stuff that I'm doing now, and it really moved me and got me to start thinking about why I'm doing what I'm doing. And so it's an honor for you to be on here. I, I'm wondering if we can go through that again and that I want my audience to hear not, not just who you are and what you do, but more importantly, why you do what you do. Well, thank you for having me. Uh, I remember that day of meeting you as well and uh, very impressed with what you are doing and what you had shared with us that you were I think you were just getting into your book at the time, just released it. So didn't you release the book that day? I <laughs> I made a pre-order announcement. I was like, hey guys, if you want to get my book, you can be the first. So I, I, I was grateful for the platform and it's it's crazy to see the, the growth that we've had uh, since that day. Good for you. I've been watching close. Proud of you. Well, thanks for um, having me. I'll be happy to share that story. Not always fun to share the whole story, but I'll be happy. Got into this financial business a little reluctantly when I was, it was like 1989, so it's been a while. Um, I thought I wanted to be an accountant. That's what I majored in in college. That's what I did after school. Uh, but I had, I was convinced by a friend to get in this business because there were people my age at that time, which was really about your age and my son Brock's age at that time, who thought they were invincible. And I'd had a cousin who was, uh, probably didn't share this part of the story when we got started, but I had a cousin who literally uh, was killed a block from his home, hit by a drunk driver. And he left uh, two kids, uh, young, and his wife. Fortunately, we were able to do something. And um, that got me into this career. Uh, I just barely made it for the first couple of years. And then I found a system that I really dove into, that I understood that was a macroeconomic process that would help people um, protect their money decisions. And I thought at that time when I first started, that it was really about rates of return and better savings and those type of things. And I, but I really dove into the study. In fact, that's where I met Kim and Todd back in 92 and 93. And uh, because of the study and the really the conviction to the truth that we were speaking on how uh, things like insurance products, life insurance products, particularly whole life insurance, improve the lives of the clients that we worked with. Um, things really took off. I started doing a lot of joint work with other advisors, had a phenomenal practice, was doing really well for a number of years. And then um, I got to a place where I think my ego stepped in. 
and I'll call it the sin of arrogance. I didn't see uh, I didn't see any risk in anything that we touched because everything at that time was seemed to be working out. I had a lot of people want what I had, wanted to know how could how could they uh, be a part of that, and uh, because I was listening to the flattery. You and I spoke about this morning. Uh, I allowed people to um, to be a part of my life where I could show them how great I was at turning money uh, around for them in a great way. And it was no longer about serving everyone for the purposes that I started with, with my faith and, and being able to uh, share in the blessings that I was given. It became about look at me and what I can do. Things went great for a long time until they didn't. Economies changed, but mostly I changed. And what we what I learned through all that, uh, we ended up having people loan me money in my business for them to have a good return, and it worked great for quite a while. And then the businesses that I bought with those monies didn't do so well because I didn't do the due diligence and I didn't have the right people to run those businesses in there. The rules changed during the time frame of people getting engaged with us in our practice to have these great opportunities. And those notes that I had were supposed to be registered as securities. And because of that, my attorney and I did not update those notes. We ended up, I ended up losing my license to that. Uh, so I went from having a phenomenal income, millions of dollars of income, literally, from the insurance field and investment field to losing everything. Painful for me. It was painful for a lot of people around us. It was humiliating. It was a public venture. But um, it's probably what was supposed to happen at the time. Uh, because it taught me a lesson. Today, I, I'm in my 11th year as a financial coach to advisors, not an agent. I don't sell product. I don't manage people's money. Coach advisors on how to be effective at serving their clients. That's one thing I was really good at at the time. And I have a mission today. That mission is I want to help as many clients in the United States, not my clients, but the clients of the advisors that we coach, pair as many families in the United States and Canada to better protect their families to impact generations to come and all the values and improvements and significance that we can create with what we've been blessed with. I would like to say that it it feels like we're writing a story of redemption. Uh, I've been given a lot of second chances. Evidence tonight by the room we were in, I have a lot of friends in that room tonight, people that go back 25 years or so. Uh, And because of their commitment to this industry, there's a lot of great things happening. Right. You this morning you pulled me aside and you encouraged me. But one of the things that you said was don't don't get what did you say don't let flattery be the end of you. Don't let flattery be the way you get paid. Can you unpack that a little bit more? Because we even I didn't even have a time to an- ask you this live, um, but I I was thinking about that throughout the day and thought that was very very interesting. And one hundred percent, am open to what you're saying because I I see in my life where people that come and flat with flattery, you have to be careful. And how you one decision can lead to another bad decision that can lead to an even worse decision. And it's like you you get to a place like when when everything hit the fan for you, you probably it wasn't like an overnight thing. It was like a it was a decision that led to a decision that led to a decision. I'm wondering if you can unpack that idea of flattery. Yeah, when when you have a run of growth and success for a while, it it doesn't go unnoticed. There's a lot of people that see that, and those both the people that are closest to you and people who are watching from afar. But everybody wants to have that type of success, but there's also people that would be jealous of that type of success. A lot of people will tell you specific. I'm talking about you right now. So a lot of people would tell you how great 
you are and what you're doing. And though they would be accurate in that because you are doing great things. But if that becomes a part of what you look for every day, then your compensation is only the flattery. And if you are doing things for you to feel good, to look good to others instead of who you're serving and what your mission is, then it will lead to a dangerous path. And there will be people in your lives that really probably shouldn't have there because they are influencing you in a way that's off your path. So be careful of that. That's what my advice this morning was. It's actually very biblical, too. You you store up treasures on earth, or you store up treasures in heaven. Uh, a couple of things that I also want to dive in, and I'll, I'll just, so you, you coach people, you're also one of the smartest people I know as it relates to understanding how money works. And I want to make sure that while you're on this show that we capture a little bit of that because I want want the Better Wealth Nation to get value um, just from from what you can give them. Um, but first question is, why why are people that have a ton of potential failing miserably in our business and, and in general? Like our business is just a, a field. I see so often people not living to a fraction of their God-given potential. Why is that? And what, what's, what are some questions that they can start asking themselves to turn some things around? Because last I checked, we have one life. And people are literally going to their grave or spending their entire life living an average life. And one of your callings, one of your talking points tonight was don't be average. I don't think anybody really wakes up and says, hey, you know, I got this great opportunity to be average. That is the way that we work. That's the way that we live most of the time. When I say we, I mean, that's most of us. Mm -hmm. Unless we've had something that's caused us to look at a bigger vision, a bigger action plan. Fear does that to a lot of people. Fear of not having the right words, fear of how to handle the success that they might have. Uh, it, you and my son Brock, who's here, being younger, may have a fear of calling on people older than you to help them because they, you may have this perception. They say, well, what do they know? They're so young. Until you guys start talking, and then they understand that you're there for them and that you do have wisdom beyond your years. I think that a, a lot of us don't, we think our potential which I think is a dangerous word, potential, is off in the future, way down the road somewhere. And really, you can live your potential today if you intentionally do it. But to, to really reach that potential, you have to have a bigger mission than yourself, and you have to be a person of service to do that. We do have one life. Fortunately, we have the opportunity of second chances. Uh, I believe that both from faith-based and just life itself. And I think people deserve a second chance. I've been given a lot of them. I would encourage people to do is, I had to learn how to do this, is to find out what you're grateful for every day. Have at least three things you're grateful for at the beginning of the day and wrap up the end of the day with three things you're grateful for now. Gratitude is a way of to stay in service and to realize that this really isn't about you. Right. It is just a gift. But we've, got, we've been given a responsibility and that responsibility is for us to give the, all that we have or we're sharing what we have. You and I are going to leave exactly the same thing that Warren Buffett and Bill Gates and the wealthiest people in the world are going to leave. We're going to leave it all, everything. Yeah, you're right. What's important is what do we do with the time that we're here? What, what are we going to do with what we've been blessed with? And that's not just your resources financially. That's all of your resources. That's your relationships. That's your experiences. That's your faith and your family and the gen what you can do to prepare future generations that go beyond you, that legacy that we thought everyone's building a legacy. The question is, is it what you want it to be? Yeah. So we have to have an intentional approach to that. What questions do people need to be asking about themselves as it relates to their financial life 
you drop 50 plus on us tonight. And so I'm not looking for 50, but if someone's driving in the car, someone's listening to this or taking notes, what are some of those core questions that get right down to the root that if, if answered or if asked sincerely will really get them to start thinking bigger and, and create better wealth in their life? Good question. Raising the quality of the question. So what of significance would I want to do with my wealth? And now wealth is not just money though. Wealth, again, is your relationships, your experience on this life, the wisdom in the areas that you've learned, the relationships you build, and financial. The four threads that run through all of our life, faith, family, fitness, and finance. If you're not healthy, you're not going to be able to do a lot of stuff. If you're not healthy spiritually, you're not going to be able to have as high a service level as you could have. Your purpose might not be as driven as it should be. I would want to know, what could I do to reduce or eliminate my losses? There are a lot of planned losses. In fact, every institution out there is there to separate you from your money. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. What can we do to be prepared for that, protect that, and be most effective in our own way where we we can use what's called the velocity of money multiplier? In velocity, a lot of people think that means speed, which is like a rate of return. How fast can I go? But velocity, by definition, means speed and direction. So how can I direct my resources to where I want them to be best served? What can I do of significance with that direction? And at what speed? There are a lot of planned losses in your life. Taxes, unnecessary expenses. And if we're not aware of those things, then you don't have a chance of winning. So what can I do to to bring certainty to improvement in my financial life? by limiting or reducing or eliminating those losses. You got to have both an offensive and defensive posture, but most people only plan on an offensive posture. They're talking about accumulation and rates of return. And they, they talk about this big mountain of money, but they really don't talk about how to distribute that money back most appropriately. That's a new thing. You said something, and I'm going to butcher this phrase, but you said, is the retirement number or the retirement income? Which one's more important to you? And it's like, it's not rocket science, but what we've been taught to focus on is solely the accumulation and number. And last we checked, a number, you can't spend a number. What people actually want is they want to retire because most people are not happy with their life and they don't like their job. So they want to they wanna not work and they want to have their money work for them, showing up in a way for income. But we're never taught about how to analyze it from the income perspective. We're all, all we're talking about is rate of return. It's not complicated, but like no one's having these co- conversations or questions. Everything that people are reading is, let's talk about this great rate of return. And the only measurement stick that they're seeing is my rate of return is better than your rate of return. So all of the sales structures of all these institutions that are out there to, to accumulate your money, on, really on their behalf, not so much on the client's behalf, to stack these dollars on top of each other forever, to keep it forever, and to give back as little as possible forever. And to do that, then they have to teach strategies to the consumers who buy those products to follow those rules. They'll give you incentives to meet those rules. Like, like a, a great example is those retirement plans you're talking about. There are incentives put in place, like a match on your money to as a seduction to get you in the plan. You never really get the match. The match goes to pay future taxes. It may even put you in a higher tax bracket. And people have position themselves so that they think the only way to have money for retirement is in what's called a retirement account. Well, the objective is not to have a retirement account. The objective is to have a steady stream of income when you choose to no longer work. So the question that you thought you butchered, you did pretty good on it, was would you prefer to have a big retirement account or a big retirement income? Another another question that you asked 
And I actually wrote this to my team. It's what's the value of a dollar that you don't have access to? Right. That's a great question. I don't know wh- who taught me that question, but dollars that are, we'll call them dead assets like equity and homes. That's a dead asset. What's the value of that dollar if you don't use it? Yeah. And there's only two ways to use it. It's either to sell the property or to leverage the property. Same thing with retirement plans. If you you're not, this is not a retirement plan that's in the 401ks and the IRAs. This is a lifetime plan. The consumer takes all the risk. They, they take the risk on going to work to create the income. Then the income, they say, I don't want to take the income today. I'm going to postpone the income till 20 or 30 years later. And someone somewhere down the path said, you know, you're going to be in a lower tax bracket then. Okay. Well, is that a good goal to, to begin with? Because I, don't, I mean, I don't want to be poor. <laughs> the future. That sounds like a poor man's plan, though. I want to be in a lower... To do that, you have to have less income. Well, is the objective to have less income or to have less taxable income? So as we ask these questions, is that the only place I can put money to create an income stream for me when I choose to no longer work at the place I'm working now? I don't like that word retirement either. That means to take out a service. And if we are people of service, if we are people who are ambitiously serving our world and our faith and our causes, then we won't ever really retire. But for those that do, they really need to change whatever their name on their business card was for their occupation the day that they leave that level of service to asset manager for the rest of their life. What's the likelihood of winning a game you don't know how to play? Pretty pretty bad. I, I would know from experience. <laughs> Most of our world is playing a financial game that they don't know the rules of the game and they're constantly changing and they're playing against the best in the world. And you have to play this game whether you like it or not. You're in the game and you have an entry fee to play the game. It's your income. It's the hours that you put, you forfeit, that you work to produce. What if you lost that money? That Losing that money is like wasting those hours you work to earn that money to put it in there to begin with. What about the college education funds? Where we're putting all those things in mutual funds. Do we really want to roll the dice? Do, do we have any type of protection on the timing? Will the money be there when we need the money for them to go to school? It doesn't matter whether it's tax-free or not. Once you spend the money, you don't get, it, get that back for retirement if you don't have the right strategy. Being able to take a macro look at how all of our financial decisions impact our lives and the people behind us, the people that we leave behind, the people we share life with, is extremely important. Um, there's a story that we've been telling a lot lately. I'm going to share something new with you that I, didn't, I wanted to share in there, but I've been sharing it with a lot of other people. We, we said a lot about service. So some of the people that serve this country the greatest are the people in the military. That Not only have they committed to protect our rights, to fight for our rights, they've literally agreed that when necessary, they would put their life on the line to protect our rights to live in this country. I could not be more thankful for the people that have done that and who continue to do that. When they are deployed into action, those that are on active duty, their income becomes tax-free. Our financial life, we have to decide what dollars we're going to deploy to active duty. And when you go on active duty, you never send one person. And in our world of the financial world, when we send a group of dollars, it recruits more dollars. Now, where are those dollars going? They're either coming back to us or they have costs that are going away from us. But there's more impact, offensive and defensive strategy. I think that we need to have what I would call a uh, warfare approach on our financial decision to take idle funds, to take idle assets, sedentary assets, and deploy those in the form of a group. Get a dollar to act like more than one dollar and then recruit more to come back to you with a defensive posture so that you can build the flank around the those attacks that are coming that you have a defensive posture so you don't get hurt when rules change. So that when the taxes do come, that you're protected from them. You either, either have a deduction to re- reduce, remove, or avoid those taxes, or 
we have a, another strategy that would enable us to have more powerful approaches. Take, make make exi- like tax exempt is a, is a powerful strategy because who knows what's going to happen in the future. And I, I love I love that example. And I'm I have to ask, are you going to write a book in the in the near future? I've been working on a book several books for some time and everyone's pushing me brock's probably laughing he is laughing i've been saying this for about four years i have probably the material for four or five books i hope to have one out this year yeah i mean i'll help you keep you accountable we'll we'll have you back on and uh, talking about that one of the questions that i ask more guests i I, again i i really respect the people that are listening to this want want the, them to get the most value out of this if you had five minutes to sit down with someone or less and you had to give them a uh, money 101 meaning i want you to i want to give you the overviews obviously there's a whole lot more that we can cover but here are the things that you need to know to take anyone from whether they're broke or multimillionaire, to get them to the next level, what what kind of conversation are you having with them? I'm going to have one that is simple. Don't overcomplicate your financial decisions. Protect both your income. Yep. Money coming in. Money coming in while you work. So if you get taken out of the picture, the income still comes in. So one of the things that I say a lot, you are your greatest asset. 100%, 100% agree with that statement. And, and that includes your mental capacity, the creativity that you have, the vision you have to be able to be creative and create more. So you got to protect that. So, and, and you have value to others, protect that value to others. I call that the economic life value. What, what's the value? If you're gone, what do they need to replace that income for, until the time you would have no longer worked? That's an important feature. Make money decisions of certainty instead of hope. Hope is not a financial strategy. Make money decisions where you have a certain return, certain of your money and and on your money. Uh, and then find a way literally to power up your decisions by getting a dollar to act like more than one dollar to get it to work in more places than one. Protect your income, make certain decisions, and figure out a way to use dollars in multiple places. While maintaining control of that money. When you forfeit control to someone else or to something else, game over. That's That's golden. That's golden. One of the questions I love ending my shows is, if this was your last day on earth and you were with the people that you love, so Brock would be a part of this, and you had to share with them what, what the most important thing that you've learned throughout your life and what you would want to pass on with them to them, what would that conversation look like? The most important thing that I learned is, um, you know, we got a, a short time on this earth mm-hmm. and we have a heck of a long time not on this earth. And so we're promised some things biblically, that if we were to, by faith, accept Christ as our Savior, that our eternal life would be a happy place to be. That's got to be more important than our money decision. There's also some promises in there that there's responsibility when you are given uh, great rewards, and that's to share, and to share abundantly. And that's not, I don't think that's just words, that's a promise. And so to do that, you have to share yourself. One of the biggest lessons I learned through the mistakes that I made is when you make mistakes, you withdraw yourself. When you do that, you can't share, you can't give, you can't serve. Everybody's going to get hit with something over their lifetime. But to be more focused on what the eternal outcome is and the and the lives of the people that we can impact so that they can be better positioned for when things don't go right, the more empowering we can be on this earth for the short time that we have. And it is really short. Yeah. 55 now, so I'm much probably much closer to the back end of life than I am what I've passed already. And so if, what if this was the last day? Well, one, I want those people that really have impacted my life and that are most important in my life to know that I love them and that they're loved by God and that 
together, we can do a lot more than we can by ourselves. One other thing that, I, that I've learned that I would definitely share on that last day, it's never too late to create a better life. And so if you're ever given a second chance or a second vision to be able to make a difference. Trent, I, I appreciate the way that you show up and the humility that you have and your act of service and, and the wisdom that you're willing to share with me and, and just everyone in, in that room and really, really appreciate it. And I just want to want to ask this as well as if people are drawn to your message like how how can how can they hear more about you or how they how can they connect with you best way to connect with me probably would be on linkedin trent fortner linkedin and i would answer one other thing with that is that what you said you appreciate was the fact that i was sharing from humility well to do that 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 really comes from experience and you get experience by living through some stuff and i've lived through some things i've messed up and so I'm thankful again that I've given an opportunity that people care enough about me to want to see that happen. I'll say this, not to, I'll just say this because it came to my mind, is a smart person learns from their own mistakes. A wise person learns from others. And you can be wise and learn from, from yours as well. But I, that's why it's really important for us to share share our our uh, just life, the successes and failures, but just really be open for um, all that all that wisdom. Trent, thank you. Appreciate you, brother. And I'm um, excited to see you with the impact that we're both going to have in 2020. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. Make sure you press subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. You can listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or your favorite podcast player.